Hello again, everybody, and welcome to our second Avengers podcast from the showplace of the Air Force, Joint Base San Antonio, Randolph, Texas. I'm your host for this episode, Jet Fabera from the 340th Flying Training Group Public Affairs Team. This podcast is dedicated to bringing you total force tips and talks from subject matter experts and leaders throughout the Air Force to help inspire and inform. In our first podcast series, we wanted to give you a better idea of who we are, and in this episode, we'll discuss what we do. To help explain that, we're welcoming back two previous Avengers to include a special guest from one of our training squadrons out at JBSA Lackland, Texas. Uh, please introduce yourselves. Hey, Colonel Golstein, uh, 340th Flying Training Group Commander. Chief Master Sergeant Christopher Howard, 340th SEL. And Major Rob Glover, 433rd Training Squadron Commander. Well, thank you all again for joining us. Let's start off with the main question. Uh, I wanted to ask about what the 340th is and then what our team does. You bet. We're a, we're a training organization by, by nature. We started back in 98 when we uh, stood up again, primarily to be a flying instructor training group, um, about 400 people or so, and it's grown out to be about 850 or so uh, since that 98 uh, stand-up. Uh, big picture, we got five flying training squadrons, each one has about uh, 75 instructor pilots that, that we ag augment the uh, active duty. We also have a flying uh, training squadron at the academy that doesn't teach uh, undergraduate pilot training students. It actually teaches uh, cadets at the Air Force Academy there. Uh, everything from uh, powered flight to gliders to um, parachute and jump. Uh, and they included the, uh, the wings of blue in that as well. We also have a uh, squadron, which we're going to hear from later from uh, Major Glover at the 433rd uh, group of MTI that uh, push flights um, every eight weeks down at uh, JBSA Lackland. And then finally, we do have um, what we call UFT, Undergraduate Flying Training, um, soon-to-be squadron here, which is admin control of all reserve pipeline training that has to do with flying, air battle management, and career enlisted aviators. So we do a lot here, uh, and to do that, we use about a 60 to 80 person staff here at the group to make a, make the machine work, and they do a great job with it. Well, thank you, sir. Uh, Chief, I had a question for you. Sure. Um, so with uh, the 340th, how does this comprehensive training approach complement our active duty counterparts? So, you know, when we look at uh, how the reserve's structured, right, we're a catch for any of those active duty uh, skill sets that walk out the door, right? Um, and what the 340th does is it provides an opportunity for those uh, instructors that uh, have done it on active duty to then progress in uh, their life and then be part of that TFI construct, right? So when we talk about that comprehensive uh, structure, uh, what we'll do is uh, we'll be much like a reserve associate unit, right? Um, attached to one of these training uh, squadrons that REGAF manages and uh, we complement their staff and their instructor staff to make sure that uh, we can get after that mission set, right? Um, we are able to leverage the experience as well as some of the individuals that will grow internally uh, to provide a robust TFI structure um, to get after the mission of training airmen on a regular basis. You won't see a difference between a REGAF instructor or reserve instructor based on that, that connective tissue that resides in those units, uh, the skill level and the requirements. And quite often our reserve cadre are the ones that are bringing uh, a lot of years of experience, right? A lot of our instructors have, uh, 
you know, double digit years of experience when we're talking about on the flying side. Um, when we talk about uh, our uh, MTIs and MTLs across the board, they're bringing other experience and different mission sets that uh, REGAF doesn't necessarily bring to the table every day. Thank you, Chief. Uh, sir, uh, in terms of the 433rd, what role does the training squadron have in developing airmen and guardians? Yeah, so that's a uh, that's a two-part question there. So one of them may be uh, a little bit more obvious, uh, and one may not be so much so. So uh, as far as developing airmen goes, uh, it's not just developing the airmen. We actually create the airmen. Uh, we get all of the accessions, all the enlisted accessions from the Air Force, uh, whether it's active duty, guard, reserve, it doesn't matter. Uh, they, my staff uh, takes them in as soon as they get off the bus, um, and we get a f big wide range of, of civilians that show up. Uh, and we take every one of them and we turn them into, uh, into airmen at the end of seven and a half weeks of training. Uh, and, and it's a, a large range of who we get. Uh, we get uh, those uh, trainees that uh, have wanted for nothing when they were at home, you know, straight A students, uh, uh, college football, uh, yeah, football players, college degrees, um, everything all the way from to the, the, the kids that get off the bus with uh, the only thing that they own is in a plastic Walmart sack and that's all they've got with them and we treat them all the same and we push them all the way through. So as far as developing airmen go, uh, we really create them. Uh, the second part that may not be as easily identifiable uh, as far as developing goes is is wherever you think might be an effective uh, leadership laboratory can hold nothing towards uh, to basic training. Uh, I could take a staff sergeant who has never led uh, a single troop in their life and now bam overnight I've given them 50 people that they're responsible for the health, safety, welfare, feeding and training of, of every one of those. And then the same goes with my, my master sergeants uh, that may have only supervised a couple of people in their life. Now they're riding on uh, a group of 10 to 15, maybe 20 instructors and have uh, 200 to 300 trainees under them. Uh, captains, uh, FGOs, it's all the same. I can give them a leadership experience that they are not going to see anywhere else uh, and that's how just just doing the job i develop airmen at the 433rd now in terms of <clears throat> the mtls or mtis um what does that process look like for folks that are interested yeah so so if somebody was interested in being an mti what they would do is uh i mean i have my own recruiting staff uh, so they would be able to get in contact with my recruiting team um, and the recruiting team will step them through all of the, the paperwork that's involved. Uh, there's a pretty extensive vetting process, but the recruiting team can take care of a lot of those things. Uh, once they step through that, uh, that recruiting and vetting process, then I'll sit down and interview them uh, to see if uh, they have what it takes to be an MTI. Um, and then once all that is said and done, I can uh, bring them on orders and then I send them to the MTI schoolhouse. Uh, that's a several month process of, of training and gaining the the eight Bravo AFSC uh, and the special duty uh, that identifier that goes along with it. After those uh, few months, then now they are a student and assigned to a trainer MTI, and they now have a certain period of time. Uh, right now, it's 60 days of uh, student trainee uh, 
experience that they would need to get before they can be pushing a flight by themselves. Thank you, sir. Uh, I have a two-part question for one for the command team and one for Major Glover. Um, the first question was, what does the future hold for the 433rd TRS? Okay, well, yeah, that's, um, we're obviously, uh, I'll start by bragging on a little bit. In the last two years during COVID, um, they had to spread out a lot down there. They couldn't, they couldn't operate the same way. And uh, what the 433rd and Major Glover did was, was pretty amazing. They, they instead of being embedded with the other seven units and um, supporting them with their manning, they actually brought them all back into one building, uh, pretty much put them all on active duty orders, and they pushed an eighth line down there. So eighth line means a whole nother training class um, is what they've been able to do. So their part-time reservists have been, for the most part, on full-time for about two to two and a half years down there. So it's been uh, pretty pretty incredible of what they've done and, and what that's allowed the Air Force to do is continue to meet their um, their input goal of training airmen where, where some of the um, services had to stand down for a little bit during COVID uh, the Air Force uh, as far as I know never had to partly because actually they didn't have to stand down uh, partly because of what Major Glover was able to do with the squadron and effectively activating them so that was awesome so that, that's kind of where they came from you you can't uh, have part-timers activated on on orders forever and so what they're uh, now that they've kind of gotten into a nice rhythm down there uh they're going to transition to um and major glover can can expound on this one to a a different role uh kind of focusing on one of their uh phases of training called beast um and they're going to also feed their people back out into the other uh, regular air force squadrons so uh, as far as future goes they're going to still continue to do everything they were mandated to do. They're going to come down off of the, we'll call it surge ops they've been operating in and uh, wearing themselves, I would say wearing themselves out, but uh, they've been they've been running hard for a while. Um, and we appreciate the civilian employers that have uh, allowed their members to, to go stand up for about two, two and a half years here uh, to get this mission done. So that's, that's what I see the future of um, the 433rd and uh, the, I'll leave it at that. Uh, Major Glover, uh, could you elaborate uh, for our external community that um, really may not know what the beast uh, involves? The beast complex, well, the, the scenario is going to be called uh, Pacer Forge now, um, is a part of the training which uh, others may remember uh, when you went out to the tent city, you know, beast, to get that, that experience in a somewhat simulated deployment exercise or scenario or environment. Uh, that's what the new Pacer Forge is going to be. Uh, it's been completely revamped to be very scenario trainee uh, driven. Um, that is what that part of that is. Um, and there's a few different options that are out there for the 433rd to, to do. Uh, but when you think about that, like the boss said, when you think about that long term uh, sustainability of using uh, active duty mandates. Uh, it's not always there. It's not always a guaranteed. Um, so what basic training had to do was they had to think about how would they, because all of the things that, that all of the, the positives that were created because of an eighth line squadron, they don't want to get rid of. And uh, I've been around basic training for several years now, and I can see that it's a lot of good things that are out of eight line squadrons. Uh, so 
in order to not get rid of them but still mitigate some of that MPA risk. Um, they've re they're going to be remissioning one of the other squadrons uh, to fill in our stead, uh, and then we would go back to one of the more the more traditional role of providing that that boosted support to any squadron that may need uh, some additional help. Well, thank you, sir. Uh, that's pretty much all the questions I have for this episode. Um, is there anything that y'all would like to add or have any final thoughts before we close this episode? I'd just like to, you know, brag a little bit more on uh, our MTIs, right? So uh, they really um, spearheaded that, that surge capacity. Um, they did a really strong proof of concept when we talk about the 8th Line Squadron. Uh, they got a lot of credit uh, from half all the way down about uh, that level of work, which now is the new baseline when we talk about uh, training. And uh, I, I see them as they pivot into the Beast Complex and into Pacer Forge, uh, which is uh, known as the Primary Agile Combat Employment Range uh, Forward Operations Readiness Generation Exercise. Um, it's you know, they're going to do just as well in that, in that mission set, as well as take all that experience we talked about earlier uh, with all those years of experience of instruction and all of the years of experience out in the field back into uh, each one of those eight-line squadrons. Uh, so an excellent group of uh, individuals out there doing some excellent work, hard work, right? When we talk about workload, these individuals are up at the, the crack of dawn beforehand to get our airmen uh, out the door prepped, they get them through every day, you know, pushing those flights, making sure they're trained, getting them uh, squared away so that they become the airmen that we need for the future. And then when we see what they're going to do here with Pacer Forge, I think we'll see the same thing when we're looking at uh, what the next threat looks like. Thank you, Chief. Yeah, I'll just, I'll just throw out there um, everything that you think uh, from what a military training instructor or MTL has to go through is it's probably accurate. What I mean by that is that the amount of work hours they put in uh, to forge these airmen is incredible. They do it with a great spirit. Um, effectively, their commute is always with their headlights on. They come in early before the sun goes up, um, and, and they're not leaving until the sun's well below the horizon. So um, their headlights are getting worn out, uh, but like I said, they have a great spirit. Uh, there is no holidays um, breaks for these guys. They're, they're spending uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas uh, in the in the barracks, in their dorms uh, with their trainees and, and taking care of them. So I do also want to put my uh, hats out to to those MTIs and MTLs out there. Yeah, it's, and I can't I can't brag on them enough. I'm just every time I see them uh, marching a flight, I'm just so proud of them. And and I don't know how they do it. They're better airmen than I am. Um, and I know, still fear the campaign hat. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Well, every, <laughs> you hear that tick, yeah. tick, tick, yeah, and so, that campat, can, yeah. campaign hat rolling down. Everybody remembers who their, their MTI was. Yeah. So um, I remember mine when I was doing my training. Uh, these guys leave a lasting impression on the, the airmen that they graduate and they lead. Uh, and it's a tough job. Uh, but it's probably the most rewarding job that that these guys will will ever do, and it's probably the one that I will uh, miss the most when I when it's time for me to move on to. Well, thank you all for your time, and thank you for listening. And be sure to check out more podcasts pertaining to all things Air Force related. As a reminder, you can follow your 340th Avengers on social media via Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. 
You can also catch up on the latest news across the command on our website at www.340ftg.afrc.af.mil. From our entire 340th Avengers team, have a happy Thanksgiving. I'm Jet Fabera, and we'll catch up with you anywhere, anytime.